It's time for the Mr. Wonderful Show. Here's your host, Mr. Wonderful. Hey, 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 and welcome in, everybody, back to another episode of the Mr. Wonderful Show. Another week, another new episode for you. Thank you for listening to this show on whatever streaming platform you like to listen to your podcast on, because we are on every single one of them. So, please give us a follow. You probably already do, but if you don't, please give us a follow wherever it is you're listening right now, whether it be Apple, whether it be Spotify, Amazon, uh, Podbean, the hosting site, wherever it is, hit the little follow button and you will be updated every single Wednesday when a new episode of this show drops for you. And so excited to be back. Also, you can follow me on Twitter at wonderful underscore radio. So if you ever wanted to interact with me personally, talk to me, you can give me a follow there. And that also will take you to all my other links, like my Instagram and stuff like that. So if you give me a follow on Twitter, at wonderful underscore radio, that is how you can follow this show and talk to me, the host of this show as well. And man, a lot to get into. Uh, Hopefully things have been very well in your neck of the woods Uh, Nothing too crazy going on. I know in my area, nothing really crazy has been going on. Just got to see the Eternals. That was the big thing that happened for me, really, over this past week. Finally got a chance to uh, get back to the movies. Yeah, I still have not seen the last night in Soho. I plan on seeing it, but my movie theater right down the street from me now is only apparently showing that once a day. And it's at like 7.20 at night, which doesn't work too well for me on weekdays considering I wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning for my job. So kind of don't want to be at a movie until like 10 o'clock at night, stuff like that. So either way, uh, but did get to go see The Eternals. And I'm going to be honest with you, I'm shocked at the amount of hate this film has been getting. Now, it's not the best Marvel movie. I will 100% say that. This is not, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy to me. This is not a top-tier Marvel movie. Uh, and, and when I say Guardians of the Galaxy, I say that in the sense of, to me, Guardians of the Galaxy is like, it, that is my all-time favorite of these Marvel films. Went into that movie, no real knowledge of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Wasn't even a big Chris Pratt fan at the time. I had seen a few episodes of Park and Rec, but I wasn't like this oh, they got the Parks and Rec guy. I was like, oh, they got the fat guy from Parks and Rec and they're going to make him a superhero? All right, sure, whatever. Here comes Marvel's first failure of a movie, which ended up being my favorite movie. So I kind of went into The Eternals the same way. I had no real knowledge of this backstory. I didn't do any research prior to it. I just knew that they were godlike creatures that have been around since the beginning of time and decided not to interfere when Thanos came and snapped away half the population. But what I will say is, at the end of the day, I did not hate this movie, and I'm shocked at the amount of hate it's getting. Yes, it is not the strongest Marvel movie, but in no way is this the worst Marvel movie. I still hold that spot for Thor The Dark World. That was perhaps the most asinine two hours of a movie I ever sat through from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It was boring. There wasn't really anything that is even memorable of it. The only things about that movie that are memorable to me now are what they went back 
and did in Avengers Endgame, which is where I went, oh yeah, that is where Loki accidentally kills Rene Russo, their mom. Spoilers for Thor The Dark World, and if you're listening to this and at that point, like, I'm sorry for you if I just spoiled Thor The Dark World. The least good, the, the lowest, in my opinion, of the Marvel films. But also, I would even go as far as to say Iron Man 2 is not as good as The Eternals. And in ways, Iron Man 3. Like, I have not revisited Iron Man 2 since I saw it. I went, okay, I'm done. But The Eternals, I would revisit this film. I'm not running back out to theaters to see it the way I did Guardians of the Galaxy three times or the way I did Black Panther three times or the way I did uh, a couple of the Captain Americas three times, stuff like that. Like, no, I'm... I, I will watch The Eternals again at home the way I have a lot of these Marvel movies. I will make it a part of my reviewing process uh, or my reviewing, my, my rewatching process of the Marvel films. Like, it was not as bad as it's been made out to be. Yes, it is a lot of movie. 100%. Like, I'm not saying that this film is not without its flaws because, again, a lot of movie... Imagine the idea of if we did not get Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, a Hulk movie, uh, all that stuff. If we weren't introduced to those characters all in one movie, that's how Avengers might have felt is how this film feels. Where there's a lot of people you got to get to know and a lot of things going on that sometimes certain character decisions, you're like, okay, I just go with it. Or certain characters feel a little one-dimensional because they didn't have time to actually be fleshed out. Or just the simple fact of, again, you have such strong characters that you're starting to be compelled by them, but then we have to take a break from that character because now we have to go on an adventure to get to the next character so that we can now start to introduce you deeper into that character. So that was kind of my issues with this movie is that it's almost too much that at times it can get a little bogged down because we are gaining the momentum and then we got to stop for a second and then we got to start regaining that momentum and then we got to stop for a moment and then we got to regain and then we got to stop so there's a lot of moments like that but at no point was I like holy crap this is like a two and a half hour movie holy crap my board holy crap, when does this end? At no point did I feel that. So it is a stylish movie. It's a a nice addition to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It brings things to the table that we haven't seen before. Uh, You know, I don't feel like this is a spoiler because it's been out there uh, and really wasn't much of a spoiler anyway. Brings a little bit of the extra romantic stuff to the MCU. So we get some Marvel superhero sex. But again, this is a PG-13 film that, yes, it comes from Marvel Studios, a subdivision of Disney, but Disney is still the major player. So, uh while Mickey might like that type of stuff personally, uh, he's he's not going to be putting his name on that. They're not going to sell sex to that level. So, again, it's, it's not really much of anything. That's like the one spoiler I'll give you. But there are some other really cool things that this movie does. They did some things that when certain things were revealed, certain things happened, I went, okay, I can get behind that. I like that. 
I like where that is. I like what that is. But yeah, there's nothing that is going to blow you away about this movie. We have seen the story before. We have seen styles of it before. There are some new, fresh elements added to it, which is very nice. But overall, this is a middle-of-the-road Marvel film. It's a middle-of-a-road movie as well, in the sense of it accomplishes what it needs to accomplish. It has some struggles at times getting there, but it gets the job done. It's a fun adventure. I enjoyed the characters, but I will say Kumal uh, Nanjani definitely was underutilized in the movie, but that comes down to my, you know, if you were introduced to all of the Avengers in one film as opposed to one by one in their own movies, and I get that that's totally different. You know, the Eternals is a group that work together, similar to that of the Avengers where Iron Man is just a guy. Captain America is just a guy. Thor is just a god. You know, I Ant-Man is just Ant-Man. And then eventually he got the Wasp thrown in there with him. But, you know, still trying to define two characters over the course of a two and a half, you know, a two plus hour movie, a lot easier than trying to define the characteristics, the traits, everything of like eight, nine different characters, 10 different characters. But again, I did enjoy this movie. I do recommend going to see it. I didn't think I was going to go see it opening weekend, which I did get to go do. I'm thankful I got to go do that, but there was a part of me as well that was kind of in the, man, all the bad reviews, the lukewarm reception from the audience. I'm not really familiar with this. Maybe I'll take my time, but I'm happy that I didn't take my time. I'm happy I did go. I'm happy I did see it, and I'm happy that I know all the cool little spoilers, and I will say that the mid credit scene, while it was spoiled for me, and I will not spoil it for you, just because of my job and working in radio, it was put in our show prep. The first mid credit spoiler was all over our desk when we came in in the morning. Everybody knew about it, and people who weren't who had never seen a Marvel film were coming up to me, and they were like, can you explain why... This person did this, this, and this. So it was a big deal. It got out there. If you know, you know. If you don't know, I'm not going to spoil that for you. But the post credit scene I thought was really cool as well. And it also introduced us, in a way, to not just one new upcoming character, but also did a little introduction for another character as well. I had to actually go do the search afterwards because just wasn't I was like uh, that seems familiar but I want to be 100% sure so yeah either way uh did like the Eternals I do recommend going uh and I am a little confused at why it's getting so much hate uh now moving on there there's a lot of different things to get to today there's a lot of things I want to talk about there's a lot of news and entertainment uh there there's a lot of that to get to but There was a story I saw, and I wanted to talk about this before we get to anything else in the entertainment world, and it is a list that's been put together because when the pandemic began, we all started, I don't want to say hoarding, but we all started making purchases, we were all locked up, we couldn't go anywhere, and now that we are at the other end of the tunnel with the pandemic, a lot of places back open, a lot of people out and about and doing things, a recent poll has now revealed that one in 10 people say that they regret purchases that they made during the pandemic. 
and I have a list of the top 10 things people regret purchasing during the pandemic. So maybe you purchased one of these and you're like, yep, I regret that. Or maybe you didn't purchase one of these and you're happy that you now don't regret it. But going through the list at number 10 was garden furniture. Number nine was a scooter. So I can only imagine because so many people weren't driving around as much as they were prior to the pandemic. They got scooters to take them around the little places in town they needed to go. Uh, and now that they now that they got to go back to work or like, I can't take my scooter on a 25, 30 minute drive on the highway. I could only take it th- four minutes, five minutes down the road to the local grocery store. Uh, number eight on this list was equipment for a sports hobby such as fishing or golf. Happily, I did not pick up fishing or golf during the pandemic. Stayed away from those. Uh, at number seven, this one was shocking to me. Uh, a hot tub or jacuzzi, which I think is too high on this list because at the end of the day, I feel like that's one of those, not just a pandemic purchase that you're like, oh man, I regret that. Like that's that's a post-pandemic good purchase. That's not just a good pandemic purchase. Like you now have a hot tub. You now can just hang out with your gal or your guy and just go chill in the hot tub whenever you want now. So I'm shocked hot tub made the list, and I'm shocked it was that high even making the list. Uh, You know, I could have seen it maybe falling in at like number 20 or something like that, but it's in the top 10 at number seven. Number six, a pizza oven. Yeah, I did not buy one of those. I I, I know somebody that did buy one. I'm going to have to reach out to them and ask them if they think it was still a mistake uh, or if they're still happy with it because they loved it at the beginning, but I haven't seen them talking about it much over the last few months. Uh, And now we get into the top five of things that we regret buying during the pandemic. Number five, musical instruments. We've actually now seen a guitar shortage because of this. Uh, I wanted to buy a new bass guitar. Well, okay. So here's the thing. A fun fact about me that you I, I none of you would know really unless, you know, like maybe like three of you might know this. I played the bass in orchestra growing up. I only did it for like four or five years, something like that. It wasn't a very long time, but I quit the bass when I got to middle school at like 13. The dumbest reason to quit orchestra, I just simply stayed for the first meeting that they had about orchestra and it was done in an auditorium and I fell asleep and then I woke up and was like, "Eh, well, you know what? I slept through that. I don't know what he expects of me. F it. I quit. So really a dumb reason to quit. But after I played the instrument and I quit, I went out and I bought a bass guitar and I can play. I'm not, you know, listen, I'm not like Paul McCartney out here. I'm not creating riffs. I'm not going to be joining any bands or anything like that anytime soon. But it was done as a little hobby thing. So I can play some songs. I can play some Led Zeppelin. I can play a little bit of The Doors. I can do stuff like that. I've learned some Pink Floyd. Like, I could play Money on the bass guitar. I say could because it's been a while. Because during the pandemic, I thought about going out and purchasing a new one and picking it back up and practicing again. But uh, seeing it come in at number five on the list of things we regret, I'm kind of happy I didn't because, yeah, I'd probably be like everybody else right now. Bought it during the pandemic. Played it really hard for like two, three months, 
and then got caught back up in everything else in life and stopped playing it. So yeah, musical instrument comes in at number five. Number four, most popular thing that we now regret purchasing during the pandemic, home gym equipment. Number three, this one definitely makes sense. Clothes or shoes? Shoes, I know a few women that went ham on purchasing shoes during the pandemic, just buying boots, buying whatever. And then the minute that, and and like, it's people that I know in radio that were still working as well, but also got the stimulus checks and then went, well, now that I got my stimulus check, I'm buying a bunch of new clothes and new shoes. So yeah, I get it. I also understand the clothes aspect of things because a lot of us went into the pandemic maybe as like a 30 waist or rocking a medium. And now we're coming out of the pandemic more with a 33 waist or a 34 waist at about a size or two bigger. So yeah, I could see why clothes are now something you regret buying because you, you purchased the clothes that in the size that you were rocking prior to the pandemic. And then, you know, the pandemic 15 came and hit pretty much all of us. Uh, number two on this list was tools or carpentry equipment. Everybody tried to be Jesus during the pandemic, apparently, and thought that they could create their own home, everything. They wanted to turn their their big oak tree into a canoe and stuff like that. Didn't happen, uh, and people now regret purchasing it. Thankfully, I'm not a handyman, so no tools or carpentry equipment was ever purchased in my house. Uh, But the number one thing that people regret buying is gaming equipment which is not surprising at all, again, considering a lot of time that we all had when we were in quarantine. You could get your gaming on, you could become a Twitch star, but now we're back to the real world, and there's not really a lot of time to game when you get into the real world. It really sucks, actually, but partly why I do like my hours in in my job in radio, because when I'm home by about like 11.30 noon, I have a few hours to game before to play some video games before I have to start adulting again. Uh, some of the things that also just missed the top 10 include jewelry, kitchen appliances, like the bread maker that many people bought. Uh, but I'm also shocked at kitchen appliances because the air fryer didn't, I didn't even purchase that. I got that as a Christmas gift from Santa and that has been a game changer as far as kitchen appliances go. Uh, smartphones and tablets made the list outside of the top 10 TV hobby equipment like arts and crafts materials, computer equipment, and uh, a bicycle as well. So bicycles also just missed the top 10 on that list. Uh, Some other cool things in news as well, uh, and a combination I never thought that I would be telling you about, but there is a new vodka on the way. It is a French fry, French fry, not French fry, French fry flavored vodka, And you can thank Arby's for this partnership. Uh, Yes, there are two French fry flavored craft vodkas on the way from a Minneapolis-based distillery called Tatersol. And they have partnered with Arby's. And the two flavors are Crinkle Fry and Curly Fry. They're going to be released in extremely limited quantities next Thursday. So not the 11th. But next Thursday, I think that's the 18th, if I had if I had a calendar. Yes, the 18th. Good thing I can do quick math in my head. 
Um, only going to set you back $60 a bottle, but if you want to get your hands on it, you got to check out ArbysVodka.com. They have all the updates, but Arby's at a distillery teaming up for French fry flavored vodka. That is a martini I need to have. I'd like my martini crinkled, not curly. All right. And then uh, one last piece of news that I have come across this week that was thrown on my desk. Uh, the makers of Pop-Tarts want us to start slathering them with butter. So, yeah, Pop-Tarts says that people do this all the time. And now they have a Pop-Tarts and butter flavor that they are going to uh, be dropping later this year. So, yeah, it's um, I, I, I don't know how I feel about this. They have six butters that they're selling. Uh, chocolate, strawberry, sea salt, cinnamon, and uh, cardamom and ginger. Uh, I don't know what the fuck that is. Uh, honey habanero and balsamic fig. Now, these butters are going to go on sale next Tuesday at bannerbutter.com backslash Pop-Tarts. $25. You get a kit. All six plus three boxes of Pop-Tarts to spread that butter on your Pop-Tarts. Okay. I've heard of this before, but I have never been crazy enough to spread butter on my Pop-Tarts. I actually don't like butter on my toast. I don't know if that's just what I got into being healthy, Nick. I stopped kind of doing the butter thing, but... Yeah, butter on my Pop-Tarts, just, it's it's not the combination that I think I am looking for. Nope, nope, nope. All right, before I uh, wrap this show up this week, there are some news and notes in the entertainment world that we definitely got to hit. Uh, first up, first thing I want to talk about is that Vin Diesel has now reached out to The Rock via his Instagram saying that we need you back for fast and the Furious, the 10th film, and of course, this is all in the name of the late Paul Walker. Vin posted on Instagram with a quote saying, my little brother, Dwayne, oh boy, uh, as you know, my children refer to you as Uncle Dwayne in my house. There's not a holiday that goes by that they and you don't send well wishes, but the time has come. Legacy awaits. I told you years ago that I was going to fulfill my promise to Pablo. I swore that we would reach and manifest the best fast in the finale. That is 10. I say this out of love, but you must show up. Do not leave the franchise idle. You have a very important role to play. Hobbs can't be played by no other. I hope that you rise to the occasion and fulfill your destiny. Or I guess the real way that that reads is, as you know, I should refer to you as Uncle Dwayne. I hope that you rise to the occasion. Fulfill your destiny. Gotta show up. Family. Uh, Are we shocked by this? Seriously? I know that these two have been publicly feuding, but let's be real. We've always... I feel like it's it's a not secret that these two were always going to end up back together on a Fast and the Furious film. Yes, they are two macho men. Yes, for whatever reason, Vin Diesel is convinced that he taught The Rock how to be an actor, and we all know that he is high as a fucker, and I want whatever he's smoking. But there was no doubt that these two were never going to get back together for another Fast and the Furious film. Like, Vin Diesel is not an idiot. He is a smart producer. 
This is his franchise, and he knows that Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, is going to pull in a specific audience as well. You introduced us to this character. You can't just write it out and pretend that Hobbs never existed. He's not a part of it. He's been at those barbecues many a times, drinking the Coronas. We all knew that Hobbs would have to show back up. And of course it would make sense for him to show up in the finale of the main franchise before we go off and we do another Hobbs and Shaw Part 2 and whatever other Fast and the Furious spinoff films that are coming. But that's the other thing. I kind of vaguely remember like Tyrese being pissed uh, at the whole, well, they're doing the Hobbs and Shaw, which is preventing us from dropping another Fast and the Furious movie. And it's like, okay, I get it, Tyrese. Your only paycheck up until Morbius has been all these Fast and the Furious films. You need this. Get it. But I felt like at that time as well, there was a comment made of, he's off to do that when he's going to be coming back to do this. Like, I feel like there was a comment made about this already long ago, but either way, Vin has now put that out there. He says, we need you back, Rock. There has still been no word from Dwayne Johnson's camp, but I imagine The Rock is, as well, not an idiot. He knows exactly what he what to do, and trust me, The Rock is going to be showing up on that set for Fast 10 and he's going to kick ass, and it's going to be a great movie, and it's all going to be wonderful, and we're going to be laughing at this years down the road and be like, remember all that candy-ass crap? Yeah. Uh, Some sad news, though. Somebody that will not be returning to a franchise, that is Emilio Estevez. He is not returning for the second season of the Disney Plus series, The Mighty Ducks Game Changers, and there's actually been a lot of weird speculation around this, So the original report was that Emilio wasn't complying with the mandatory COVID vaccination requirement, which is pretty standard at this point on every production set. But Emilio has come out and said, that's not the case. I had COVID. I actually had long haul COVID. I had it while we were filming season one. I'm somebody who very much has followed the rules and I actually was somebody that was voicing concerns when we were filming over a year ago saying, why are we considered essential workers? Yada, 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 all this stuff. So Emilio is 100% vehemently denying that he is against the mandatory COVID vaccination requirement stuff, that that's part of the story is false. What he says is a fact is that it comes down to creative differences, which was also reported in the original report. It was, he wasn't complying with COVID and they had creative differences. Emilio claims the COVID stuff is just bullshit. That's all a lie. But that the creative differences stuff, that is truth. That is fact. And it came down to a lot of contract talk as well with him. So we know Emilio's character, Gordon Bombay, not being written out, but he will not be involved in season two. So how they pull that off, going to be a real big question like that is that really is the big question how do you pull this off because season one of that show had no right to be as good as it was no right to be as good as it was and it really was and it was shocking at how well done the show truly was and a lot of that to me had to do with yes you brought in a young new awesome cast of people 
They kicked ass. They took names. It was wonderful. It was fabulous. It was super duper terrific. All that good stuff. But Emilio Estevez played a huge part in that, in my opinion, because having the original guy, having Gordon Bombay, having that guy there, that played a huge part in why that show worked, in my opinion. I mean, yes, there, you know, I'm sure you're probably sitting there and you're like, yeah, but he wasn't really involved in like episode one or episode two. It took a while for him to be involved. Yeah, but that's the creative direction of where that season went and where it was going. So I don't know. I'm I'm very curious to see how they pull this off now. Cause again, it's it, the big question is how do you do Mighty Ducks Game Changers without Mr. Mighty Duck himself, Coach Bombay, Emilio Estevez involved? Now, if this is also just creative differences and a contract dispute, then fingers crossed they could figure it out and Emilio is able to come back and they don't really have to change a lot of stuff up. But I I was super excited for season two. After season one, I was excited to see where Gordon Bombay goes. I was excited to see if they could potentially bring in some of more of the original cast, uh, things like that. But we'll see what happens with season two of the Mighty Ducks Game Changers now. Uh, some other news and notes, some quick hits, things like that. Stranger Things season four, they dropped their teaser over the weekend on Stranger Things Day. We know that's coming out in the summertime and... That quick minute and a half teaser threw so much at us, except for any Steve Harrington dicks, but threw so much at us uh, and looks like a lot of fun. Also, uh, Finn Wolfhard is gearing up to direct his first film. So at 18, Finn Wolfhard is already achieving things that I will never achieve in life. Congratulations, Finn. You're now old enough to buy a cigarette in some states, not New York. Uh, or some others like Virginia, but you know, hey, whatever. You can at least direct a movie. So congratulations on that one. Also, Ariana Grande has been cast in the upcoming Wicked movie version from Universal Studios, along with Cynthia Arrivo. Uh, and weirdly enough, Ariana Grande actually tweeted after seeing Wicked for like the umpteenth time 10 years ago that it would be her dream role to play uh, and be in Wicked. And here she is now getting to manifest that dream 10 years later, cast in the role. And I, I work for a hit music station. I have a huge thing for Ariana Grande. Uh, and I've really, I hated her before I worked in hit music. And now the past four years, I have gained a ton of respect for Ariana Grande and... Uh, very much looking forward to seeing that adaptation of Wicked on the big screen. Also, the Super Trooper guys are back at work. The Broken Lizard comedy team. You know them for Super Troopers, Super Troopers 2, Beer Fest, Club Dread, Slam and Salmon. All those good films. All those great comedies. Well, they're now working on a satire of the Hunchback of Notre Dame called Quasi all about a hunchback who only wants love, finds himself in the middle of a feud between the Pope and the King of France, who each order him to kill the other. No word on when this movie's coming out, but fuck it, sign me up. I've seen every one of Broken Lizard's films, including their college movie, which is like Paddleboard or something like that. Club. Oh man, 
I can't remember the name of it. Paddle Haze? Paddle Days? Something something stupid with a paddle. I know Paddle is in the title. It came out. It was one of those movies where Super Troopers hit. It was a success. It became a big, bigger success on home video, which, mind you, I saw Super Troopers in theaters at a United Artist movie theater, and it was the first film of a double feature because they were doing the stick around after this, you get a special screening of 40 days and 40 nights. I watched Super Troopers. I was the only one in the movie theater at that UA at that UA theater with the old freaking seats. And I'm talking like not the stadium seating, the old seats just up a ramp. Uh, I was the only one that sat there and watched Super Troopers. Granted, there was only like eight of us in this theater. I watched the movie. I'm the only one that left afterwards because I was like, I'm good. I didn't come to this screening to see 40 Days and 40 Nights. I came to see this movie about the freaking Highway Troopers. That was awesome. So I'm a big fan of Broken Lizard. Fuck, my, uh, the, uh, when I was a part of Haunter's podcast, we did a Patreon thing. Uh, we used to have a Patreon over there. And hint, hint, there, this show and other stuff might be involved in a Patreon down the road, possibly sooner than later. But one of the shows I did was a B-movie horror reviews and I did love dread from these guys because they made a B movie. They went out and did a B slasher film. Uh so yeah, I'm stoked on this. I can't wait to see what they do with the hunchback of Notre Dame and Quasi. Also Gail Gadot uh gonna play the evil queen in Disney's live action Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And the last bit of news I have today, um Tom Hanks was on the Bill Simmons podcast and he was asked to name his top three favorite movies that he made. And, uh, well, I'll actually let Tom Hanks take over from, from here. I would probably say number one would be League of Their Own because all I did all summer was play baseball. It was a great summer. And my entire family still speaks about it. Hmm. Uh, then I would say, uh, probably, uh, I would say Castaway because it was just, uh, there was nothing but adventures every single day, every single night. Uh, and the last film I would say that was magical for me was, um, uh, a movie called Cloud Atlas. We shot it on a hope and a dream and nothing but a, a circle of love in Berlin and Mallorca and Dresden. And that would be my big three. All right. So there you have it. Tom Hanks himself. Is saying his top three movies of all time, A League of Their Own, Castaway, and Cloud Atlas. So have the conversation, have the debate, but it does raise a good point. What are your, you know, or a good question, I should say. What are your top three favorite Tom Hanks movies of all time? Because for me, I mean, I definitely am going to put A League of Their Own in the top three. Is it number one? That's 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 a good question because it's a great movie. I love A League of Their Own. It is the ultimate as somebody who played baseball, as somebody who loves baseball. Like it is, it is a great movie. But is it my number one? I, I don't, you know. And with his type of resume and his his acting credentials and all the films he's done to hear Cloud Atlas get put in there, not Forrest Gump, you know, not Toy Story, you know, what else? Not not that thing you do, not Apollo 13, not Sleepless in Seattle, not Turner and Hooch, not The Burbs, not Big, you know, like, 
again, the list, not Bachelor Party, not Splash, you know. I And you know what? Now that I'm saying all of these movies out loud, I think for me, my top three, as I mentioned, A Week of Their Own would definitely be in there. Sleepless in Seattle would be in there as well. Yeah, that's right. I'm a big softie. But then it would come down to, do I put Big in there? Do I throw a Splash in there? Do I throw Bachelor Party in there? Because I love Bachelor Party. I think Bachelor Party, great movie. Super duper funny. Uh, or do I throw Forrest Gump or Apollo 13 or Toy Story or that thing you do? Like that thing you do, I love that thing you do. Pittsburgh and the Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh and the Pittsburgh. Like it's it's crazy to think Cloud Atlas gets in there. So yeah, I, I figured that would cause a little controversy uh, to wrap up the show here. Tom Hanks picking his top three favorite movies of all time that he's been in. Uh, and yeah, my list, uh, narrowing it down here to wrap it up. It definitely will be a league of their own. It definitely will be that thing you do. And it definitely would be big. So even I am, or I'm sorry, uh, sleepless in Seattle. So even I'm leaving big out uh, because I really want to put that thing you do in my top three. So there you have it. Tom Hanks has his top three. I have my top three. What are your top three? Hit me up on Twitter at wonderful underscore radio or any other way you can get in touch with me. I don't know. I don't have an email address for you. Sorry. All right. Have a great week, everybody. Enjoy Eternals if you get out to see it. Enjoy uh, Clifford the Big Red Dog if you get out to see it. That's the big movie this weekend I see is out. I actually want to go see it. I'm not going to lie. And it's not just because I have the Regal Pass thing. It actually, I I enjoy cute family films, so, and it looks cute and funny. And, Fuck off. I read Clifford the Big Red Dog a lot growing up. So I can be excited for that. Uh, But Ghostbusters Afterlife, the big one next week with the sexiest man alive. Didn't even talk about that. So yeah, let's let's be. okay. so let's actually wrap up the show with this thought here. Paul Rudd officially named People Magazine's 2021 Sexiest Man Alive. And I agree. I definitely think Paul Rudd deserves to be called sexiest man alive so there you have it that'll do it for this week have a great week everybody remember subscribe wherever you are listening to the show rate and review it share it with your friends and family and as always until next time peace and love